from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. I had surgery. They have robotic surgery nowadays, and uh, probably most of the surgeries are done robotically. But there's a lot of different treatment options, and that's just one of them. And that was the one that my wife and I thought I should do. Uh, and my doctor agreed, and so that's that's what we did. And so, because we caught it early, I'm, I'm in good shape. So I, I, you know, there's a couple of uh, issues usually, you know, with uh, these surgeries a lot of times, and I didn't suffer from any of the um, common issues that that happen. And um, I have to knock on wood. I used to tell guys, hey, if you catch early, it's just a blip in your life. Don't have to worry. But I've had some of my friends, and um, they they've had some issues afterwards. So I had to stop saying that but they're still alive, they're still in the game, and there's a lot of different things they can do to deal with these other complications that they might have. Mike Haynes, Pro Football Hall of Fame cornerback. Haynes played 14 seasons in the National Football League. In the summer of 2008, Haynes made a life-changing decision on a whim. That day, the Hall of Fame was running a public service announcement to raise awareness with prostate cancer. They asked him to participate. He had recently taken a physical with his primary care doctor in L.A. and wasn't really interested in taking a screening. Haynes figured he'd show his face and encourage others to take the screening, and that would be it. He later learned that his PSA level was alarmingly high, and he was strongly advised to speak with his doctor back in L.A. In this country, one in six men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer and one in two and a half African-American men will be diagnosed with the disease. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, Know Your Stats with Pro Football Hall of Famer Mike Haynes in Black America. Well, they were on board before me. They were on board with the American Urological Association. Now it's called U- Urology Cares Foundation. And I was at their very first screening. That was it. So... Uh, so, you know, I, I just, and every year at the Hall of Fame, there's another guy, we find another guy that has prostate cancer. So mm-hmm. every year, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see somebody I haven't seen in a long time, go, Mike, I'm going, what? I said, man, this guy's never reacted to me like this before. He's like going out of his way, come, you know, calling my name out loud. And then he gets over and he goes, I just want to thank you, man. Thank you, bro. And I said, for what? He said, you know, uh, the work that you're doing, man, if it wasn't for you, I don't know that I would have had it. I don't know if I would have gone in. And I went in and sure enough, I had it. I'm like, wow, okay. So, so I, feel, I feel good about the work that we're doing, and, uh, and not just me. It's uh, you know, tons of other players and people like you who are interviewing me who want to make a difference and, and help guys find out in the early stages because prostate cancer is not a cancer that has to take our life. Approximately 165,000 men will be told they have prostate cancer this year. Aside from age, the risk factor for prostate cancer include family history and race. One in nine men would develop prostate cancer, one in six African-American men would develop prostate cancer, and one in five men with a family history would develop prostate cancer. If you are age 55 to 69, you need to talk to your doctor about prostate screening. Some men are at a higher risk for prostate cancer. Born in Denison, Texas, Mike Haynes attended public schools in Los Angeles. He was a three-year All-Western Athletic Conference cornerback at Arizona State University. He was drafted in the first round of the 1976 NFL Draft by the New England Patriots, the fifth pick overall, and the first defensive back. He played 14 seasons in the NFL and was inducted to Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1997. 
He won a Super Bowl ring with the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowl 28. Haynes is a survivor of prostate cancer. In Black America spoke with him at the 2018 NFL Draft in Arlington, Texas, about his career and the Know Your Stats campaign. Well, I wish I could tell you I, it was all on me. I, I didn't want to go to the screening. My, my boss at the time, um, because they were launching this new uh, screening program with the American Urological Association's foundation, he asked me to go down and take a look and see how things were going. And when I went down, um, you know, of course, everybody there didn't know who I was. And these ladies, uh, these nurses asked me to go ahead and sign up and do the screening. And I said, well, she said, you might encourage some of the other guys to do it. So I did. And um, they called my name, you know, and after, uh, had, after they had taken my blood, and I was a little bit worried because I had never had anybody call my name after taking my blood. I thought they'd let you know in a couple of days. And so uh, when he called me in, of course, I was paying close attention to everything he said. And he was asking if prostate cancer ran in my family. I said, I don't know. And he said, um, one in, at the time, one in three men would be diagnosed with prostate cancer and one in five African-American men. Uh, and I said, geez, I don't know anybody that has had prostate cancer. And he says, and I said, that sounds like a lot of men. Uh, and so um, he gave me enough information that when I got home, I called my primary care doctor and gave him my results and said, hey, what, what is my baseline PSA? And he said, why? And I explained everything. And then he, as we were talking, he says, you know, Mike, since you're African-American, I think we should get you a biopsy. And that's the only way you're going to tell um, if you have the disease or not. Well, my biopsy came back positive. I had cancer in nine of the 12 places that they checked. And um, it was a, an awakening that you made. You know, I'm sure if, if, if you can imagine how I felt. I, I, mean, I was in good health. Um, still and, you were, and you just had a physical. Just had a physical, and uh, they never said anything to me. Um, and, um, and so if not for my phone call, I might have found out later when it was in a different stage. So we want men to find out if they have this disease, not like I did it. We want them to find out by being proactive, like knowing if it runs in your family. My grandfather died of some kind of cancer. I knew that. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, uh, and, and just because I wasn't sure what that was, that's why I followed through and, and went back and talked to my doctor. And so our campaign is really about knowing your family history and uh, doing what you need to do to stay in the game. If that means talking to your doctor, uh, starting talking to them and doing blood tests at 40, then that's what you need to do. They don't, it's not an expensive thing to, to stay informed, but the, the earlier you find out that you have it, the, the better results you're going to have. What type of treatment did you undergo? I had surgery. Um, they have robotic surgery nowadays, and uh, probably most of the surgeries are done robotically. Um, and um, I, but there's a lot of different treatment options, and that's just one of them. And that was the one that my wife and I thought I was, I should do, uh, and my doctor agreed. And so that's that's what we did. And so because we caught it early, I'm, I'm in good shape. So I, I, you know, there's a couple of uh, issues usually, you know, with uh, these surgeries. A lot of times. Uh, and I didn't suffer from any of the um, common issues that, that happened. Um, and um, I have to knock on wood. I used to tell guys, hey, if you catch early, it's just a blip in your life. Don't have to worry. But I've had some of my friends, and um, they've, they've had some issues afterwards. So I had to stop saying that. Um, but they're still alive. They're still in the game. And there's a lot of different things they can do to deal with these other complications that they might have. If you have friends such as myself, why is it so difficult for them to understand that this particular procedure needs to take place? You know, I think a lot of it is because of there's, there's two tests. There's the blood test and there's a digital rectal exam. 
And the digital rectal exam probably was keeping a lot of men from, from going in. Um, but after going through what I went through, that is, that's a joke. You know, you, you, you have to do it. And you're not going to get any sympathy from any women, you know, with, with that digital rectal exam. They're all the testing that they've had for many years in their lives, you know. And for us, it doesn't really start until much later in life. And it's only a few seconds. Um, it's, uh, you know, I can't tell you it's, you know, it's not a big deal because I understand. Uh, and um, because because um, of the way I felt about different things, I understood the challenges uh, um, that doctors had or people had getting men that get in to mm -hmm. have those conversations with their doctor. So when they asked me to be the spokesperson, I said yes, because I knew that I could get the, uh, these other Hall of Famers um, to help me with this. And um, before Deacon Jones passed away, uh, he and I, we were all over the place you know, trying to encourage men to get in and, and talk to their doctors about their their prostate health. What type of questions should an individual ask the doctor? Well, uh, does he know if you know that uh, you know that uh, it it runs in your family or mm -hmm. it doesn't run in your family? He needs to know those kinds of questions. And um, there are a lot of symptoms, but I really think it's really difficult to to talk about the symptoms because they're the symptoms are the same for a lot of different diseases. Mm -hmm. The the main one is just knowing if it runs in your family. As a, you know, now it's been 2009 when I was um, finally had my surgery and, and everything. Now I read everything that, you know, when, that come you know, that you can read about men's health and uh, and so sometimes I'm wondering, I ask myself, why is it that African American men get it but Africans don't get it, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And I have to say it must be our diet, you know. After many many years of uh, certain diets, uh, we mess. It must have, you know, something that's in our genes now that wasn't in the beginning. Um, so, so anyway, so I, I try to stay on top of it, try and encourage guys to, you know, get in and talk to their doctors and, and even when they have complications, go back and, hey man, I'm having complications. You know, don't try to figure out stuff on your own. There's a lot of people who've been out there educated and you're not the first guy to get it and not the first guy to have a problem if you have a problem. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, if you're gonna get cancer, Prostate cancer is probably one that once if you could choose, you'd pick that would be one that you would pick because to catch it early, it, it can be a very small change in your life. Where could one go to find information that will assist them once they go in and talk to their physician? Well, one place is uh, our website. We have this uh, pretty uh, active website. It's called knowyourstats.org, and there's a lot of frequently asked questions there. And, you know, you can call me, really, you know, <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, uh, I, I talk to a lot of men uh, a lot, uh, all the time, and um, that you could write me a letter and I'll write you back or, or uh, shoot me an email and we'll shoot you an email back. Um, but the best place for frequently asked questions is the website. Uh, and, and if you know a cancer survivor, talk to him. Uh, I get on these guys all the time, man. You, you don't talk to anybody, you know. Uh, there's... Uh, when, when I was uh, told that so many men had it, once I realized that I had it, I started saying, man, they're, they're saying there's a lot of African-American men that have this disease. I don't know one single guy. And go, oh, yeah, I had it. I had it, do I had it bro. You know, I'm like, what? Right. Man, why didn't you guys tell me? You know, I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, just keep it to themselves. And we got to change that. You know, I think uh, we just need to normalize it and let guys talk about it. But because there were so many guys that were affected negatively in back in the older days, and like say, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, where they didn't have any nerves, um, they couldn't get an erection, and so they weren't gonna, they didn't want people to know that. But for today is different. They have so many different treatment options, and even so many things to do if that's a problem for guys, that um, 
that they should be they should feel better about talking about it now. When did the NFL come on board to support this effort? Well, they were on board before me. Okay. You know, the, the, they're, the, they're, uh, they were on board with the American Urological Association. Now it's called U Urology Cares Foundation. Um, and I was at their very first screening. That was it. So, uh, so uh, you know, I, I just, and every year at the Hall of Fame, there's another guy. We find another guy that has prostate cancer. So mm -hmm. every year. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see somebody I haven't seen in a long time go, Mike. I'm going, what? I said, man, this guy's never reacted to me like this before. He's like going out of his way, come, you know, calling my name out loud. And then he gets over and he goes, I just want to thank you, man. Thank you, bro. And I said, for what? He said, you know, uh, the work that you're doing, man, if it wasn't for you, I don't know that I would have had it. I don't know if I would have gone in. And I went in and sure enough, I had it. I'm like, wow, okay. So, so I, feel, I feel good about the work that we're doing and, uh, and not just me, it's uh, you know, tons of other players and people like you who are interviewing me who wanna make a difference and, and help guys um, find out in the early stages because prostate cancer is not a cancer that has to take our life. In 1975, the Vietnam War ended, 1976, about this same time you were drafted number one by the New England Patriots fifth player overall, first defensive player. Tell us what it was like a year prior to that, knowing that you had friends in Vietnam while you were off at school mm -hmm. at Arizona State. Well, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was actually worried that I could have gotten drafted. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, it didn't work out that I did, thank God. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, and so, you know, at, at the time, I think I was just more thankful for that, that I didn't get drafted than anything else. But now I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for those guys that did get drafted and for the guys who serve, um, you know, in the military to allow us to have the style of living that we have. And, uh, and so, you know, if, if it had happened, it would have happened, but it didn't. So, you know, God had a plan for me, a different plan. Mm -hmm. What was it like that day? On um, the draft? Yeah. Well, you're going to laugh. <laughs> Uh, my phone rang and woke me up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Mike. <laughs> Mike, uh, this is the New England Patriots. You've just been drafted in the first round, fifth play, uh, pick overall. Hold for Coach Fairbanks. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, so I'm I'm still waking up, and he gets on the line and congratulates me, and he knew my coach, my college coach, really well, uh, and then he uh, turned it over to the press, and I did a lot of uh, interviews, uh, and. Um, and then I hung up the phone and I, and I screamed out loud to my brother who was asleep down the hall. I said, Reg, I just got drafted. I'm drafted to the Patriots, fifth player. You know, and then called my mom and you know, you know so it's completely different today. If you, people figured I was gonna get drafted that high, uh, I would have been in New York, New York right. you know, um, right, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a different experience and I, I like what they're doing now. The draft is like unbelievable. I haven't been to the draft in several years and here in Dallas, the way it's laid out, it's like a Super Bowl, mm -hmm. you know, there's uh, the NFL experiences right. here and uh, they're all the um, draft prospects are here doing camps, football camps, teaching young kids and making future fans, you know, out of these kids. So. I really like what the league is doing um, in terms of helping to grow our sport and uh, keep it popular. Um, and um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I I'm glad I was associated with the. I'm still glad I'm associated with the NFL. For those that are familiar with NFL history, the 1976 draft changed in a lot of ways. It didn't go 17 rounds. Right. Now a day, 
but also there was a legal battle between, I think, the Seahawks and the and, and Tampa Bay or something of that nature. Oh no, it was their first year in the league. Okay. Yeah, they, and so actually the the Seahawks were thinking about drafting me, mm -hmm. uh, and um, I would have been their first player in the club's Club history. history. Right. And I didn't want to be the first <laughs> player in the club's history. I just felt like if I was a quarterback or a running back that that would be a good idea. But as a defensive back, I didn't want it to be me. I felt like, shoot, I don't I can't imagine the the history of the club, you know, being on my shoulders as a defensive back. Uh, and if I ever got beat, you know, everybody would think, you know, all, you know, negative things. And so um, I, I wanted to be, I felt like you, you'd want that to be a position where you're in more control, you know, of scoring and, and things. And so, so um, they passed on me uh, and I fell to uh, the New England Patriots. When you look at the New England Patriots of today, was that culture already in the process when Fairbanks was the coach? I would have to say yes, it was. Um, you know, he he was um, he was a unique leader. You know, he's the one that really kind of brought in the the coaching style and the draft style of what kind of player he wanted and all that. And uh, I I used to give Buckle Kilroy all the respect and all the do all the depth for that. And really, I, I found out later that it was really Chuck that was telling him. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, when uh, even when he left, he would come down here and help Parcells with the Cowboys. And I didn't realize that's why he was here, you know. So um, it was a blessing, and I learned a lot from him, and I learned a lot about the game because of him. Uh, you know, when, uh, when we were drafted, instead of, like, learning just the defensive plays, I learned we learned every single play, offense and defense, and they still do that today. So you can have a guy who um, gets injured on offense or defense, and another guy can swap in there and knows the plays and can maybe do just as good a job as the other guy. So um, that's the same, and um, I think the, um, the Patriots are kind of like the Raiders were when I played during my era, uh, who were, seemed like they were always in contention. Uh, now it's just reverse. Now the, 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 the Raiders are the old Patriots, <laughs> and the Patriots are the, the old uh, Raiders. So um, anyway, it's, it's, it's always been, I feel like I was really blessed to, uh, to get drafted by the Patriots because I learned so much early on, and, and I, don't, I like telling this story that, I, uh, my first full day of practice, I got beat by every single receiver on the team, every single one, and um, threw my helmet down, and my helmet just busted out. You know, innards, you know, fell all over the place. And Coach Fairbanks said, "Mike, this might be the best thing that ever happened to you." He says, "This is the National Football League. You're going up. You're going up against some of the greatest athletes uh, of all time, and you know, you just can't show up and think you're going to be as good as them. You know, you're going to have to work at this." And so that's what I did. I went to work, and um, I was really fortunate. I had good coaching, and good head coach, and good guys around me. Speaking of work, you have a saying that you wish the NFL fans were more appreciative of defenses, <laughs> and you can have a whole game and, and shut the opposing receiver down and get no respect. Yeah, you don't even get your name called. You know, they don't. You know, the, the announcers don't say anything, but the the smart ones do. The smart ones, they get it. Because you'll go um, weeks, you know, weeks, you know, uh, you know, and uh, it didn't happen as much in New England as it did in the when I joined the Raiders. I think because the AFC West, they threw more, mm -hmm. they threw more, and uh, and so they would, you know, they stopped picking on me early, and uh, and then uh, you know Willie Brown is a Mike, you know, don't fall asleep over there, don't fall asleep, man, they're gonna they're gonna come at you, and you know, game's over, and it, and it never happened. So, but it did happen uh, on occasion, and. I learned a lesson a couple of times when I did fall asleep.
-hmm. You know, um, we were playing New Orleans Saints and a guy named Guido Merkins, who was like a third or fourth string quarterback, came in and beat me. You know, <laughs> I'm running around with him. What is he doing in there? They're not going to throw the ball to this guy. And I'm running and I hear the safety go, ball, Mike, Mike, ball. Uh, and I turned to look for the ball. And then and while I turned, the ball's going into his hand. So I never saw that. And uh, turned back around, he had it, but he was in the end zone. So as soon as he touched his hands, it was really a touchdown. So I learned, you know, then even deep into my career that um, you just can't ever put your guard down. No matter what the situation is, you got to, you know, be on all, you know, all P's and Q's, all full alert, you know, the, the entire time. It looks as though when you all were playing, you and Lester Hayes, particularly when you were at the, uh, the Raiders in Oakland, that the defensive backs had more leeway. Nowadays, it seems like you can't touch them as far as the receivers are concerned. Well, you can touch them. I mean, one, one of the things that, that we did is we spent a lot of time with the NFL officials, okay. you know, and, and figuring out what we could do and couldn't do. Like, what if, what if a hand slips up there? You know, uh, what if I do this? And, uh, you know, what if I run up and I catch him at four yards? I can't take my hands off him at five. You know, it's, it's impossible. And, you know, they, they, oh, well, we call that incidental. Mm -hmm. uh, so what if you're running down the field with them and you're, you're both running in your arms, hit his arms, mm -hmm. you know, that's incidental. I mean, oh, okay. Well, what happens if, you, um, if you're running a route and, and the guy trips and falls? He goes, that's incidental. I'm like, oh, okay, that's all. So, you, so you're learning all these different things and you have to put those things in your repertoire, really. Uh, when you're going out there against some of the greatest players and, you know, you want to know everything that you can do so and rely on it and use it. You remember your childhood in Denison, Texas? I don't remember it much. I, I remember, believe it or not, I do remember a, a few things, but nothing really worth <laughs> mentioning. You know, my, my, my mom's um, brothers and my grandmother, they, they all grew up there and lived there forever. And uh, I remember moving away to Los Angeles and, and leaving and, you know, going from, well, you know, basically the country to the big city mm -hmm. and uh and making an adjustment in los angeles it was great i mean there, there was a lot of people from texas in uh, southern california so move west. yeah so it was great mike when you were in high school truth be told you're a two-sport athlete you ran the mile relay you took a breather the other team that you all were competing against, you know, figured the meet was over. They got on the bus. I guess they went to McDonald's or, or Dairy Queen. You came back and long jump. Your team won the title. That record still holds true? Well, that With record, the long jump? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well so, you know, what, what's crazy is uh, that day to win the track meet, I jumped 20 feet, 3 inches. And um, that – stood out in my mind because it was, the whole track meet came down to that jump, mm -hmm. 20 feet, 3 inches. So the next year, I ended up going 24 feet, 10 Ooh. inches mm -hmm. um, because for a whole year, all I did was think about long jump. All I did was think about visualizing running with my steps in the air and extending my legs and all that. Um, that the very first jump of the year, I went 22 feet, 5 inches and almost broke my ankles because our long jump pit was only 23 feet long, you know, <laughs> you know, so they lengthened the pit. And um, and yeah, that's school record. I don't think anybody will ever break it. I just don't. When did you understand or realize that you had something special to take you to that next level? I think when I was in college um, at Arizona State, we had so many guys that went on to the NFL. So I played against 
uh, well, with uh, guys like um, Steve Holden, who was a top draft pick of the Cleveland Browns, Woody Green, who was a top draft pick to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so many guys, you know, uh, and receivers and, and running backs. And, uh, and I go, wow, you know, maybe I can make it. Mm-hmm. So as a sophomore, it really started to, started to change. I, I wanted to be a receiver most of the time until this kid um, named John Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, John Washington, you know, when he was in high school here, he's from Dallas. Um, when he came to Arizona State, it changed my career because I, I always thought I was a good receiver and better than anybody else there. Um, but when he came, it changed everything. You know, I realized that I've never seen a wide receiver like him. Looking back at that 76 draft, there's a lot of Hall of Famers coming out of that draft. Yeah, we did. We did have a lot of them. It was a good draft year. And uh, um, for defensive backs, I think we had, I want to say four go in the first round. We had a lot of them, maybe five. But it was a good year for DBs. And uh, when we would play in these uh, all-star games, you know, postseason games, you had a chance to meet a lot of the players. Um, you know, you knew that there were going to be some talented guys coming in the NFL. With all the accolades you've received as a professional football player, what stands out the most? Well, um, when it comes to accolades, I'd have to say being inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and, uh, uh, and uh, really being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I get to meet all these great players and you realize how unique they are and how a lot of them started late and uh, uh, and really what makes them special, you try to figure it out. And they all seem to be kind of a um, cut from the same cloth when it comes to hard workers, um, overcoming a lot of obstacles, wanting to be the best, uh, willing to make changes, willing to sacrifice for the team, and those kinds of things. And uh, I, I, I think that uh, I, I have to say my experience in college playing for Coach Cush kind of got me ready for that because I, I didn't high school I didn't have any great coaches I didn't have any we only had two coaches okay. one coach offense and one coach defense mm-hmm. you know but in college it was a little bit different we had position coaches and I could talk to those guys we had older players I could talk to them and they they kind of schooled me like there was a lot of things that I didn't like and I was like a re- rebel you know um, um, or I didn't mind a fight mm-hmm. you know sometimes I think I looked for fights um, but you know guys guys checked me and um, basically um, you know, told me what was going on and, and just, you know, do my part. You know, and that's all that really matters if you do your part. And so I got a lot of good instruction early on and helped me have a, a great, great start to a pro career. Mike, you played 14 seasons in the NFL. When did you start thinking, because at some point, this is all going to end about a career after your first career? Yeah, well, I, I didn't really want to think about that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I actually thought that I would be able to be the one that would say when my career would end, you know. Uh, and so um, my last year was happened to be the same last year of Steve Largent. Right. And, but Steve Largent announced his, this was his last year. And so every place he went, they kind of celebrated him, had a little celebration like, you know, goodbye, Steve. Thank you for a great career and all that. Well, I didn't do that because I thought I had three more years. I didn't know it was my last year, too. So. You know, it didn't end the way that I wanted it to end, but I really did have a great career, and I felt really blessed to be able to play on two great teams, a lot of great coaches, a lot of great players, and, uh, you know, so many guys that that I think should be in the Hall of Fame, like Lester. I really think that Lester had a Hall of Fame career. As a a guy who made seven Pro Bowls or six Pro Bowls before I even came to the Raiders. Mike Haynes, Pro Football Hall of Fame cornerback. 
If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard us over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.